Today I'm rebroadcasting another conversation I had with Brad Solomon, founder and CEO of the CTG Group, from his podcast, The Lockdown Sessions. The Lockdown Sessions, again, is a series of podcasts that Brad is having with his community during this time of COVID and any number of other things going on in the world. And so today we pick up where we, not necessarily where we left off last time, but I guess just what was ever, what was present in front of us. We mentioned a ton of books in this episode and don't worry about writing them down. I've linked to all of them. So if you go to the notes for this episode, you'll find them there. It's a good thing we didn't say you could collect a dollar or a pound for every time we say, I have that book. I haven't completely read it. Uh, It happens a lot. And yes, yes, skeptical listener out there, or skeptical, or John's a hypocrite, or whatever you're thinking out there. (laughs) We mentioned a ton of books on this episode. The irony is not lost on me that I previously shared that I was reading a limited number of books, or a a very focused number of books. There was amazing value from doing that. I am still limiting my book intake. And yes, I do see the possible conflict here that about talking about reading less and yet continuing to throw out book title after book title. So I hope you enjoy it. John Palestra, welcome back. Lockdown Sessions, step two. Um, How are you uh, feeling today? Well, I'm feeling the full catastrophe of life. <laughs> I love it. Let's launch. Do you know where that comes? Do you know where that comes from? Go on, go on. John Cabot Zinn. Yeah, uh-huh. you know the the idea of the full. Well, I don't know that I've ever read the book. I have the book. I haven't read it, but just the idea that I make up from that term is that it's it's the full range of life. You know, it's it's the good, the not so good, the wish I didn't have, but I have, and just being with it all and making it what I want it to be. How many books do you have on your shelf that you haven't read? Mm, 30% maybe? 40? 30? I'm going to guess 30% and I probably have, I don't know, 150 books? I have so many books that I haven't read. I dip into books more these days. Read a chapter here, a chapter there. So when you said before, I don't know if I've read the book. It's like, no, I've got so many books on there that <laughs> I, I really feel like I should read. I even take them away when I go for a little break, you know, like a cottage for a weekend. I'll take a couple of books and I'll read the opening chapters and then I'll get caught up in doing something really lovely, like walking the dog and finding a nice spot. And I've even got the book in my bag <laughs> and it even, it even comes out of the bag. And then it says, I, I wonder when, when people, <laughs> people are listening to this, how many of them have got books on their Kindle or on their shelves that they just haven't read? Well, here, are my, here would be my encouragement. And this is based on a challenge that I took with my coach when I started with him a year ago, which was no new books. Oh, no, I don't know if I could stick to that. It was amazing. It was life-changing. Really? And yeah, we had like a list of like the approved book list, which is like, the four or five books that were just kind of on his list. And I had an agreement with him that if I was going to add something, I would bring it to him. And it wasn't, you know, it was like, you know, it wasn't like I was going to get in trouble or anything. 
But it was this idea, and I'm stealing it from a book called Straight Line Leadership that I right. highly recommend. Okay, like I need another book on my shelf. No, you can't read. read it. You can't read it. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> no, seriously, the idea in that book is like this one pivotal chapter is if we implement what you know, if you read, say you had one book or two books that were really good and you implemented everything in that book and lived it, you'd be like 5,000 steps ahead of reading to get to the end of the book to capture the good idea to like, oh, that was interesting. Oh, where's the next book? Mm-hmm. And so what I'd realized was I was reading books as like a trophy. Oh, I finished the book. I can add it to my list. Uh-huh. I read the book. And it was like the goal was to finish it and to learn something interesting and then to do nothing with it. And so straight line leadership, this one chapter is just like, what if you focused your time on implementing the things that you know or that you've learned will help you? What if you just focused on that? So going like a year of like, not like grabbing every shiny new book that I thought I wanted to read or had the latest hicks and, or hacks and tips, like it slowed everything down. And I came to this place where I was like, I don't need to read anything else. Wow. Do I know everything I need to know about my life? No, but I've lived enough and I've read enough that I kind of know what to do. I know what to do. And I'm not doing half of it. So like, just like stop reading with new ideas that you also won't do. (laughs) Yes. So like implement what you already know. And if you implement, I'm broken record now at this point, but it was just so, yeah, it was like, I don't need any more new, new ideas or tips and hacks. I, uh, I found a great website a couple of months back called um, getabstract.com. And essentially, okay. it summarizes all the great books out there in three paragraphs. So it takes every book that's coming out. You pick your topic, leadership, and it, it, every week it updates. It puts a new book out there. It gives you a three-paragraph summary of the book and the key messages. <laughs> and there, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> it's the laziest form of learning ever. <laughs> I can't decide if that's useful or not. I, actually, I find it really useful because there are some on there that I think, oh, actually, do you know what? I'd like to know what sits behind that. Mm, um, okay. So it's like, do I go deeper on that or do I take a pass? Yeah. Uh, so um, you might remember Daniel Hand uh, from, uh, from Red Hat. I don't know if you came across him. Fantastic uh, tech guy, um, serious AI enthusiast. And uh, he recommended me The Trillion Dollar Coach last year. Uh, which Did was, you read it? Uh, I started reading it and thought, wow, do you know what? I actually want to finish it. It was a book I wanted to finish. Um, and I found it fascinating just looking at the way in which those guys in Silicon Valley look at life. And what's been really helpful is actually I just brought a client on from Silicon Valley startup looking for IPO in the next two years. And actually it gave me some real insight into how they operate that kind of that, you know, knife between the teeth, head down, <laughs> grow and scale. It's, it's a very different world uh, of, of startup to say a, a guy trying to break into retail or industry. Um, so, yeah, have, you know it, obviously. No, like Tim Ferriss interviewed, who's the guy that wrote it? Eric Schmidt? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, li- I listened to it. I've heard people talk about it. And again, this is the beauty of this. Can't read anything new. I would hear about it. And like, I just write it down on my list. And it's like, and what I'm seeing too is, as I've done that, it's like, 
finally like a book popped up like four or five times. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was related to startups and I highly recommend it. Reboot by Jerry Colonna. Okay, I'll add that to my that, list. That book just kept popping up. He's a venture capital um, turned coach, turned really thoughtful, fascinating guy. Yeah. Anyway, the book popped up so many times from a previous client. I heard it on a pod. It just popped up so many different places. Finally, I was just like, hey, coach, I'm adding this to my list. And I did. And then at a certain point, I just said, you know what? I don't need this list anymore. I have like so I built up so much discipline to like not pick up a new book that I don't need this arrangement anymore. And he's like, fine. So we got rid of it. I like it. I like the fact that you made this little arrangement with yourself and then actually realized that you created the new habit. So no need anymore. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did read The Infinite Game uh, last month by Cynic. I do just like the way he writes and talks. And my nephew actually read it first. He and I do recommend books to each other. And I had recommended him The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, a beautiful book if you don't know. I recently bought it. (laughs) See, I had heard that book. That book came up so many, that book has popped up in so many places, including a friend that I was talking to recently. He's like, John, I just can't finish the book because if I finish the book, I'm going to have to live it. So that first chapter on integrity, integrity was coming up with some client work and some other stuff. And it did popped up so many places that I was like, Oh, it's seven bucks. Okay. I'll, I'll just buy it. And so I busted, but anyway, yeah, but, but again, it does follow the theme in my defense. It does follow that theme of it has to pop up enough times to be like, okay, we're really going to get it. But the beauty of that book, I think of the four agreements, one is the simplicity of the message But two, it's the stoic way it's written that you could literally run a bath, sink yourself for 45 minutes. It's an A5 shaped book for listeners. I know it doesn't go so well in an audio podcast. (laughs) What is A5, Brad? (laughs) What is A5? Start describing. (laughs) It's about a hand's breadth. Yeah, and, and genuinely, you can read it in sort of 45 minutes to an hour because it's, you know, it's double spacing. But for me, it was this very touching way he moves between Western and Eastern philosophies, stories that would resonate for you, whether you were born in an Indian slum in Bangalore or whether you grew up in, you know, the rich cities of um, of California. It, it wouldn't matter because the stories will land. And it doesn't matter whether you're 21 or you're 81. This idea that four agreements and always doing your best i always think the fourth agreement is a little wishy-washy for me so i kind of follow the first three and uh my nephew was funny because he was saying to me on uh, on a voice message the other day thank you so much for the four agreements he said i read it in two sittings he said i see what you were doing last week on our call getting me to audit my language (laughs) <laughs> and he said what you said now i've read it i have to live it otherwise I, i'm calling myself out as like i'm i'm bs basically well yeah that first chapter which i sort of skimmed like it's all about integrity and being impeccable with your word right. and oh man i've had some fascinating client conversations there with people that are like well i said i would do yes i said i would do this and then i'm like okay but you didn't do it and they're like yeah but i really meant to and these other things came up and I was really going to. And I'm like, okay, but 
Like this is really simple. It's it's really simple. You either did it or you didn't do it. You said you would do it, you didn't do it. And then and then we ended up in this whole like like man, you're like taking this way too seriously and I'm just like no, this is very it's a one or a zero here. It's binary. Like well, I just and not everything is. Let me be clear. But yeah. for sure, but actually, you know, I I see it as Another book I read years ago uh, was the John Maxwell book, Intentional uh, Living. And it's not dissimilar. It's that concept, you know, of being authentic with your words, say what you mean, mean what you say, don't be mean with what you say, Mm -hmm. um, and don't make assumptions. You're not that important. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have also heard of this idea, too, that we create with our word. Yes. And like how powerful that is. We bring things into existence by, by our word and what we say. And if we say we're going to do something, then we don't do it. What? And stuff comes up, but own it. I guess the, my work with in this one situation was if you mess up, just own it or proactively own it. Hey, I said I would do this by six o'clock. It's five 55. I'm not, it's just not going to happen. I'm really sorry. How can we make this up to you? How can I versus the time passes? And then it's like, well, you know, stuff came up. I mean, you're just not very understanding. And and I think it's, you know, it goes to the very core of what coaching is about, which is movement towards action. I always say, yeah, I was running a coaching program last week and somebody was asking about how I define a coaching conversation. Uh, and I said, for me, if there isn't an action orientation at the end, it was just a really nice chat. Yes, if there's no following action, it was just an interesting conversation. Had some which, interesting insights. Yeah, insights, which is lovely to have, by the way. Totally. There's Let's a place have a for good it. chat. But if you want to sit down and you want me to put a coaching hat on and work with you, in fact, if you're going to pay me to do that, then let's have some actions at the end that you commit to doing. It's not my commitment. It's your commitment. And I think maybe that's why something like what Don Miguel Ruiz talks about um, probably resonates for coaches like us, because it is about that authenticity with the word. He's also brought out the fifth agreement, if you're interested. But I won't won't spoil the surprise. I haven't heard of it. See, this is the first I'm hearing about it. So it doesn't even like get close to the list. It doesn't even get close. Uh, Neither will his book, The Voice of Knowledge. Okay. All right. Also a beautiful collection of anecdotes that create his philosophy of Toltec wisdom. You can see I'm a big fan. I've kind of read his whole back catalog. Um, he even produced a set, well, he didn't, but his PR people produced a set of playing cards of the four agreements and they uh, sit at my front door and without fail on a daily basis, I pull a card. I don't always look at it, by the way. I put it in my pocket, and during the day, I pull out the card, and there's a little mem on it, just kind of calling me out on something, and on the other side is one of the four agreements, which just calls me to attention, and it's a really lovely way for me of really honoring the fact that I talk about this book as the greatest self-help book that I've ever come across. That's beautiful. It's like um, some people, I suppose, play with tarot cards, taroki, 
Um, other people play with crystals. Um, others have pictures of their kids in their wallet. <laughs> I've got a four agreement card in my pocket. Um, and there isn't a day goes by, John, I'm telling you, where I don't pull that card out and it doesn't just give me a reflection of where maybe I could focus my attention, hmm. which will often offer an insight more often than not on a business topic that is challenging. I'm questioning, considering, reflecting on, and it just points me in a direction where, ah, okay, Brad, don't. Yesterday, for example, um, perfect example. So one of the agreements is don't take things personally. I'm having a lovely call with a client. We're discussing three new programs that they want. This is a global company in film, film and retail. And uh, it's coaching, feedback, and uh, quality, crucial conversations, three separate workshops. I've been working with this company for 14 years, running emotional intelligence and presenting workshops. So we've built out a scope plan of, of I'm going to go away, do a little proposal on these three sessions, feeling nice about that. And then they say, obviously, Brad, there's a downside to this. So I kind of sit up a little bit. I'm put on notice not to react. And she says, um, we're not going to be using you for the presenting workshops or the emotional intelligence workshops moving forward. We're going to be working uh, with another vendor. And I, you know, with a, a big smile on my face said, listen, after 13 years of running that course, it's probably time you guys got another vendor in to bring some new stories. So 13 years, it had good legs. I, I'm not upset about that. And we've got some new stuff, which is my sweet spot. So, you know, I'm okay. I got off the call and I'm like, hmm. Were you being impeccable with your word? <laughs> about 85%. <laughs> so I, I did mean it. Because it, it's true, right? It is about okay. time they got someone else in with new stories, new ideas. That's definitely healthy for them. But it stung a little bit. It stung a little bit. Totally. And uh, I was writing to my office manager. How was your day? This is what happened. Had this call. This is what's going on. And they wrote back, oh, you must be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know me? <laughs> and then I bought the card out my pocket. Don't take things personally. And there it was. It was gone in that moment. Because actually what I did say to that person in the moment was true. It was authentic. I was being authentic with my word. It may have hurt to say it, but I did believe it. I do believe it, and it is a good thing for them to do. Because just in the same way that I might put another trainer in with a client to run a workshop because they've listened to me for five years and so now listen to somebody else's stories, I do believe it. That didn't deny me the fact that I needed to lean into the emotion a little bit. And my colleague turning around and going whoa brad that must hurt man that's like 13 years you've been doing that you're no good anymore and she was just playing but actually here comes the card don't take things it's nothing to do with me as a That'd business right and that's why i love this book because in a moment where i can imagine people listening to this when they take things personally you can really go down a rabbit hole 
that you don't even want to be in, by the way. And you could stay there and it could impact the relationship and it would impact future communications and it will impact your mood and that could impact the family when you're at home. There's so many knock-on effects that that one little phrase and her response to me said everything because I hadn't looked at the card at this point. She smiled and laughed a little bit nervously and said, thank you for being so gracious about that. I was really nervous about telling you. Huh. And I said, oh, no, don't, don't worry. I said, that's, that's just business. If you were telling me goodbye, we don't want to work with you anymore, I'd be a little bit more disappointed. I said, but beyond the initial disappointment of I love that program, it's totally healthy. That's why that Don Miguel Ruiz book, I think, just rules for me. I think I've recommended it on every workshop, every webinar, every webinar on resilience, EQ, mindfulness, well-being. I think I should have shares in that guy's business because I've recommended <laughs> so many people right, to right. websites to purchase his book. <laughs> I just love the card idea and the intentionality Mm -hmm. of checking in with that and yeah the whole pulling cards thing i've never known what to do with that and i've i haven't done it very often but it is uncanny where was i there's this local cafe that does money workshops and stuff around money and i was there doing something else and anyway they're like oh whenever you come in we, you know we have people pull a card and their cards about money and so they're like, and I was like, okay, whatever. And, you know, because, well, some people like really believe like this is like yeah, the universe yeah. is like picked a card for you. And I'm just like, how can that work? I don't know. Anyway, but anyway, anytime I've done something like that, there's been some like, wow, that kind of relates. In fact, this is even more, this is super hilarious. Coaching community I was in about a year ago, you know, the tear off calendars with the sayings of the day. <laughs> so this guy would bring a whole stack of them. And he he was walking around the room at the end of the weekend and he's like hey do you want a message from the universe oh, I, I like, like a bit i like a bit of divination yeah kind of but same idea and they're the, just these old calendar pages and i'm like sure whatever i'll humor you so oh, i pull the thing and it says give up your need to be right and i was like this doesn't make any sense this is, doesn't relate to my life at all and i was like oh i'm so busted <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah, there's yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is or how it works, but it it's a little uncanny. You know, um years back when I was building the business, when I started out life, and I still am really, um, I've shared it on a, on another episode before. I'm essentially a, a hippie who's learned how to live in the corporate world. <laughs> and uh um that that's that's who I am, right? Um and ever since I was a little boy, um that that's who I've been. Uh, I love nature, the freedom of the soul, the spirit, allowing that to soar beyond everything else. And uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was chatting with um, with someone uh, recently and sharing with them that I used to be involved in sort of the world of you know spiritual awakenings, <laughs> and divination was one of those things that people used to do. You know, holding a pendulum up and asking questions of the pendulum. <laughs> And I remember that my first lesson with this guru, and they're saying, hold the pendulum, like feel the energy. And I was a little suspicious of this guy. Feel the energy. I'm, I'm feeling the energy of, of the pendulum. 
And he goes, ask it a question that you know the answer to. And first of all, make the pendulum show you yes or no. So I would like say in my head, show me yes. And the pendulum went from side to side. I thought, that's cool. Show me no. And it went the opposite way. I'm like, that's really cool. I don't feel like I'm controlling it. So I asked it this question and it didn't move. Like I'd asked it yes, I'd asked it no, but it it didn't move. So I turned (laughs) turned to the guy who was like teaching me. I said, what's what's that about? He goes, well, basically, if the pendulum thinks it's a stupid question, it won't answer. (laughs) So I had bullshit called on me (laughs) by a pendulum. Someone did that with me once too. I was trying to make a decision and I don't know how they did it, but it was over Zoom or something. And yeah, it was right. Like it was, I was kind of undecided on something and it was, I think it came up as not, not, this probably isn't really a good idea. I was like, yeah, it's not. I don't know. Yeah. But I guess, you know, for the most part, again, it goes back to the coaching link, which is the trust that everybody knows their own path. You just have to create the space to own the answers from within. I don't need somebody to tell me, Brad, you should or shouldn't do that. And (laughs) if, you know, I mean, actually probably it might help sometimes in some situations, but I don't take instruction very well. So, you know, that's not going to work. But if it's me holding the pendulum or me pulling a card or some kind of inspirational quote, and that's just going to tap in with what I already know, then all that coaching does is it creates the space for people to be brave in finding their own path. I don't see it that differently, except, you know, I think coaching sits very well in, in you know, both the personal and the corporate market. Whereas I think if I took a, a divination tool into my <laughs> next C-level QBR. <laughs> they might get some interesting results. <laughs> I don't know how they feel about it. <laughs> I'd like us to play with my little friend, the pendulum. <laughs> pendulum. <laughs> Do we buy this company or not? Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly right. Can you imagine? So, look, I'm interested in your, you know, no books rule because what about if there is something really out there? Does it? I mean, how many times does it have to appear on your radar before you think, you know, what I need to invest in that? Because that's it's kind intuitive. Of it's intuitive. Okay. I think it's intuitive. Yeah. I think it's intuitive and it's, yeah, again, it's based on this realization that I had, I don't know, six, seven months ago that I, I don't need at least, and it, I guess this could change. Like if you were to talk to me in a year and be like, so John, are you on a book reading spree? It's, it's possible. I could, I guess I just feel like right now where I am in my life with my business and family and everything, it's just, I know what I need to do. And I usually know when I'm not doing it. I know what the signs are. Yeah. So just keep doing it. I guess the other thing, actually, I was having an interesting conversation with my mom recently. And she was like, oh, do you want this book on parenting that I have? And I was like, you know what? No. This related to a situation I had with my son recently where it was like a Saturday and we had this big block of time. And I was feeling guilty because I wasn't like being a good dad because we weren't spending time together and he was playing games and I don't know what I was doing. I was playing games or something. I don't know. And then I just stopped and I was like, what does today need? 
getting this thing of intuition and us knowing best for ourselves. And I had the presence of mind to just say, you know what? I'm just going to sit in stillness for 10 minutes, meditate, whatever you want to call it. Maybe at the end of that, I'll know what to do. I got to the end of the 10 minutes. No idea what to do. I was like, oh, okay. So I guess the answer is do nothing. Wait for the next moment. Wait for the next moment. A couple hours later, it came to me. I was like, oh, let's go get some food. And my wife was busy doing some other stuff with some friends. And so we grabbed some fast food and sat at the park for 20 minutes. I was so present for that 20 minutes with him in a way that I wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. if I'd been just kind of half with him the whole day because I was supposed to. What I was sharing with my mom was I didn't need to read that in a book. The the book's going to be like spend quality time with your kids. Yeah. Okay. Duh. But by checking in with myself and just saying, what is this moment? And so I told her, I said, you know what? I'm just living more and more into this place of like, what does this moment need? What is this moment asking for? And like I tell my clients or people that are interested in coaching, it's like, you have the best answers for you. You spent more time with you than anyone else. Right. So I might see a truth or something that I think is true, but I'm not attached to it. And if it resonates and it lands, take it and run with it. And if it doesn't, throw it away. There's, so, something, there's yeah. something in that, isn't there? It's that kind of non-identification piece that means you don't take it personally. You don't not attached to it. yourself up. Yeah, exactly. You lean in and then you lean out. Yeah. And sometimes leaning into the wrong thing. <laughs> that's one of my, sometimes that really cracks me up. You know, I'll have this amazing insight for someone like, can I share this insight that I just had on your situation? And they'll be like, yeah, sure. I'll be like, this is what I'm seeing. And they'll be like, no. It's the total opposite of that. It's actually this, but we wouldn't have gotten to that if I hadn't right. just blurted out. I'm having this intuitive hit of, okay, well, the part that was true was that I had an intuitive hit. My interpretation of it was totally wrong, but it got us to what was real for them, which is what matters, not what's real to me. Well, anyway, you've already given up on having to be right, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You, you right. don't even need to be right with your intuitive uh, pitches. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's that's the beauty of it. It's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you know what you say about a book. You know, your mom saying, "Hey, do you want this book on parenting?" I think you know the moments that we have, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our teams, as leaders, as coaches. Maybe we all need to just be a little bit brave. And let people find their own path. I guess where it becomes really challenging is when you're getting close to quarter end and your team haven't done the number and your CFO is on your case because you haven't quite, you know, you're 82% of target. Where's the stretch coming? Uh, You told me in your forecast you were 110 and actually the pressure starts building and you start squeezing and they start feeling miserable and motivation is impacted and, and all of a sudden there's this cascading flow of negativity that becomes almost impossible to get out of and so i don't know how we move our consciousness i mean this is one of my sort of challenges in my working world like one of the legacies i want to leave to move people to this consciousness that they truly create people's own paths by giving them the space to find it and not every job enables you to do that and I wonder how we 
release the sales director of a region in the US to chill out a little bit if his team are 80% of target with two weeks to go. Yeah, and see, that to me would be like a, a made-up example. So you've got two weeks to go. Do you need to go read like a book on how to do more sales and go to some webinars and get smarter? Or what if you went and sat in a conference room by yourself with a blank piece of paper and a pen for 30 minutes and said, nobody can interrupt me. I'm just going to sit here in silence. Mm. I bet I'm willing to bet like if you sat there in silence for 30 minutes, as painful as that might be, you might have one insight that would move the dial. Yeah. That's the bravery of your own path. Yeah. How come we're so conditioned to not encourage that kind of bravery? Because we are at school, right? When we're young, I was pushed into trying everything, anything, just, oh, teacher, miss, I don't know what to draw. Don't worry, Brad, sit there, something will come. And it would. I mean, it wasn't always very good, but something would come, like, like you're saying. And then you iterate on it, yeah. Right. But totally. When do we lose that? When do we lose that, that innocence well, I think that's, slash bravery? I think it's some of the downside of our overly scientific, data-driven. I, and I think that's maybe some of the, the quest behind the, the knowledge quest. The answer is always data and wisdom. So I've got to find the data and the wisdom. And the only place to get it is to read more books. Attend, like get smarter. If I can get smarter, if I can get the knowledge, then I'll have the answer versus yeah and this is what i love about coaching it's no everything's already there we just have to peel back the layers that have like covered up who you really are yeah it's a great promotion for the fact that really everyone needs coaching i think we might be onto a business idea here (laughs) if not i'm off to buy 10 books straight after this podcast Um, yeah although i don't know if i agree with that like that everyone needs like steve chandler always says he's like you don't have to have a coach Everyone doesn't have to have a coach. Can your life be better with a coach? Yes. But like, do you have to have a coach to survive to, I don't say have a coach to survive? No. I've always felt a little bit um, as a therapist, a practicing psychotherapist, that everyone would benefit from a little bit of therapy. Wait, you were a therapist? Yeah, so my initial really, uh, yeah, my initial. I still act. I still practice as a behavioral psychotherapist, uh, and mainly work with young people uh, with mental health issues, uh, eating disorders, or uh, anxiety and depression. But I tend to stick to just young working with young people. And as a generic rule, it, it seems to be that they are so hyper connected that it creates many more mental health challenges than I ever faced as a teenager. So I don't always feel like I can empathize because I I just didn't experience the life that they lead. I mean, one young man was sitting in my room and uh, he was complaining about social media and he was trying to explain the pressure of being in a WhatsApp group at school. And the way he explained it to me was we sat for 10 minutes trying to talk whilst his phone was not on silent. John, you couldn't even guess how many beeps 
there were of messages from his class of 30 odd people. By the time we had finished our session, there were more than 200 WhatsApp messages that had come through. I don't know how you get anything done, I said to him. He looked at me and he goes, I don't. <laughs> right, right. That pressure. So as a therapist, I've always felt, you know, people could do with having a sounding board to just hear what they're saying. Yes. No, that's, that's always my fa- one of my favorite realizations that coaching clients have early on, which is when, they're, when they're, they're like, this is amazing. All I did was say out loud to you what was going on in my head, and now I know exactly what to do. Yeah, I've got like the most amazing job in the world. My job is to just sit here and be 100% present to you so that you... Okay, speaking of another book to throw out there in this is um, More Time to Think by Nancy Klein. Okay. Have you heard of that? No. I haven't read all of it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I but I got it. Have. I got it a couple of years ago or something. It was like a $1.99 Kindle, which is a total bargain. Her whole idea is the idea of creating a thinking environment. What if we were to create a thinking environment in companies? This relates to our fake CFO or sales guy example. Yeah. What if we were to create thinking environments in companies? And there's this exercise in one of the chapters where you do this 10 minute back and forth where you, I would just sit with you and for 10 minutes, I would just say, so Brad, what's on your mind? And you would talk and then you would, you would get to a spot where you run out of stuff and I'd say, and what else? Mm. And the amount of stuff that can come out of that is powerful. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Like another a, book. A deluge. Of, well, listen, I think one of the most powerful coaching questions um, that I have in my back pocket is what else? <laughs> It can also be a crutch, but yes, it's a, it can be a very powerful. Well, I think, yes, it does. I, I think all of those questions can be a crutch, but ultimately the first things that come out aren't always what's really important. And I think... You know, never. I want to say almost never. Right. That first thing is never. It's always, yeah. That's the first layer. So, you know, the whole point is what else, what else, what else. And by the time you get to your third what else, now we're really hitting it. Um, and, and I sense, I sense, you know, we, we, we've talked around, maybe we've talked around in, in circles together here, but I sense <laughs> that maybe that's where books, um, get in the way. All these new ideas, they stop us from having our own innovations, our own thinking, because if I'm reading, so, um, the last, yeah, cause they're always, they're telling yeah, us what to do. Well, yeah, and you're always just going out. Well, like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I don't, I mean, I don't have any intelligent thoughts. So like, I better go get them from somewhere else. Right. That's garbage. And there's, I can't remember the author's name. It's on my shelf. Uh, I haven't read it. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's called uh, Design Your Life. There's a whole like coaching program built around it. There are Design Your Life coaches as well, right? Um, and uh, I got the book because I thought I, I, I really should as a coach. I should be looking and seeing, you know, what ideas are out there. Um, yeah, and you're laughing. Because, you should be designing your life, Brad. <laughs> yes. Why do I need someone else to tell me how, what to think about to design my life? Just design it. And I guess, you know, it, it comes back to, you know, some of the older books, which, you know, when I was reading books, John Maxwell's book, you know, What Got You There Won't Get You Here. Uh, I love that. And I don't know if you saw his book last year called Leadership. It, he changed just that last two letters there. Yeah? So not leadership, leadership. <laughs> 
And he basically talks about 11 things that leaders need to do in today's world and today's economy to just shift their leadership to another dynamic, inclusive, responsive level. And it's beautifully written, just as, you know, what got you there won't get you here. As I was reading it, I was thinking, do you know what? All of these 11 things you could find in the other 120 leadership books on my shelf. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. It's so, but it's, but that will yeah. cost you $17.50 <laughs> to cut and paste. <laughs> right. Right. So maybe I like your idea. Uh, I'm going to encourage everyone in my team to take half an hour out this week to just sit in silence with a piece of paper and just quiet in their mind. And, to and see no pressure. What, nothing. Nope. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. No, no pre- yeah. Here's my, here's my suggestion. No pressure. No, um, no judgment. No evaluation of how you're doing it. If you're doing it well or if it's not going well, there's success is that you sat there for 30 minutes. Even if you get nothing from it, which I would have, I would be really shocked if that happened, but it's possible. But yeah, no pressure, no judgment, just be. I think in the world we're living in right now, with people, some of them struggling with the thoughts of going back to work, um, some of them being asked to now come back to work. So they're now struggling with how safe they feel. I imagine um, this isn't even just for leaders. This is for anybody just to take a moment in time, stop the clock, pause, get off and just be. And that ability to not identify with anything other than just being just sounds like a powerful exercise um, in itself. Yeah, and I'll I'll make it easier too. So if 30 minutes sounds like your entire life, do five, do five minutes and maybe work up to 30. So maybe, maybe like, if you're just like, there's no way, John, I can do 30 minutes. Fine. Five minutes. Do five. Like, <laughs> could you do five? No. Four yeah. minutes? No. Three One? minutes? Could you do three? <laughs> three? I could do two minutes. Okay. Start with something. Right. Actually, Start just just the silence piece, uh, I know, for, for me, becomes meditative after a few minutes anyway. Um, so I wouldn't only recommend it, I would endorse it, because I know in the meetings I have with myself, more often than not, they are quiet times. The phone goes off, I'm present, I, I don't hold a pen, I have meetings with myself, my diary's blocked out, I can't be interrupted, phone's off, email's off, phone's off, and actually... I don't know if much comes out of it other than I quiet in my mind, which then creates room and space for other things to come in as and when I need them. And, and if that's the minimum I get, I'll celebrate it. And if I suddenly come out with some wonderful new ideas, then I'll take those to the bank as well. Well, my experience too, is you go into the next interaction more present. Right. So like I can never, I never back to back my schedule ever. If when I can, like every once in a while happens, but even if I have to leave one meeting like five minutes early so that I have five minutes before the next meeting, but nothing is worse than like the meeting ends at the top of the hour and you just join the next meeting. Like that just, 
Yeah. Unless, of course, like Please. me, you have a client who talks for half an hour longer than they should. And what would have been a 15-minute break <laughs> becomes a 30-second. I still think that's on you, but that's the whole other conversation. <laughs> John, I think we've come full circle. All right. I love it. Um, love it. Shall we put another time in in the uh, next six weeks? We'll uh, bring you back and lockdown uh, debate will jam yeah, when are we gonna, again. When, are, when am I, I going to get my freedom? <laughs> That could be the title of the next one. <laughs> Freed. <laughs> What's it like being free again? Uh, John, it's, uh, it's lovely to see you, lovely to hear you. And uh, let's catch up again uh, on another session very, very soon. All right, let's do it. Love it. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates. <laughs>